Hello and welcome to the Generic Foiling Podcast. We are on episode fuck knows and it's a nice chilled one this week. Just Liam and myself sat in our individual houses discussing like, the goings on. It's like an anti-AWSI party. You know, it we is. are the alternate party. Theirs and I was is a very, bit better. Yeah, I was very disappointed to say that there's a seed today that there's already a podcaster. Wing Life Podcast is at the AWSI where we want to be. Instead, we're both sat sweating my ass off in a bloody heat wave in the UK. Which isn't a bad thing, actually. No, uh, I did get some pretty sick waves yesterday, though. Oh, yeah, on the old foil drive. Oh, yeah, we'll come to... No, not on the foil drive. That was Of course prior. not, shit. Yeah, okay. So a lot's been going on. Um, we're in this really busy period of our lives and the summer, and it's been... There's obviously a lot going on in the world with AWSI as well. There's a few brands that we want to chat to and riders that we want to chat to, but a lot of them are actually at this event. So they're all saying, yeah, 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 we want to talk, we want to talk after the event, which is fine, but it just means that we now have to make up a little podcast episode for this week because... Mate, I've got lots to chat about. I Side note, everybody, we have set ourselves an objective to be at AWSI next year. It's not a side note. I think that's a main note. That's a, a uh, major note. Major note, everybody. We have set ourselves an objective. Uh, we have been discussing between ourselves how we do this because neither of us have bare cash to just book a ticket for the sake of podding and all the rest of it as much as we'd like to go. So whether that comes in the form of GoFundMe slash coffee account slash whatever the hell those things are called or Get, get ready to pay for us to go. Or, yeah, exactly. Start saving the pennies, and if everybody puts in a couple of pounds, then you'll get lots of very entertaining content. Because that's what we keep noticing is the podcast, not the podcast, but the videos that have come out of the AWSI. Oh, they're just so American, aren't they? A lot of them are quite bad. <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, different, do different. We, do, so that that's the aim. Uh, Liam and I have been discussing how we'd go about that. We will suss that out in the near future, I think. But it is amazing how... Uh, did you see uh, the F1 email that came through the other day? And uh, the Sal was just asking, oh, you know, are you are you guys out at AWSI? I think we might have a persona that's far bigger than uh, the two of us just sat here in Devon <laughs> chatting shit on a podcast. Because <laughs> they're not the first ones. There's a few... There's a, Somebody else asked as well. I think Keith may, might, have, might have asked, and even maybe uh, Evan from Access asked, oh, are you going out to AWSI? Who in God's name is paying for us to go out to AWSI for an event? No. No, of course you make not. It, you make it sound bad by saying who's paying for us. I mean, if we had the disposable income to get ourselves oh, God, there, yeah. we absolutely would, but we just don't. We don't, indeed. So that's that's the first main point that we wanted to uh yeah, bring up. is making the conditions look rather good. They all are. They all are. There's a few, but yeah, watching that Kiahi video, he's literally just popped up this afternoon. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's such... It's such a prominent place for kiting and windsurfing, and it has been for decades. But actually seeing it like that, and you know, you can kind of tell with the way all because all the pros are going to be like, "Oh yeah, it's the coolest thing ever," as as they do wherever they go. But there always seems to be a little element of difference because everyone's quite surprised. I think the first time people go there, they're like, "This isn't just cool. This is fucking incredible." The fact that it's a freshwater lake and it gets big old standing waves like it does. It was cool to see what came out of last last year's um, 
event site as well with all the likes of the bloody uh, Hawaiian lot going. And uh, I don't know if that was ABDUSI or if they just went out regardless. Anyway. There was, there was a race or something, wasn't there? There's always races. Uh, I also saw a lovely Instagram post from our uh, our dear friend Mike Raper uh, doing a bar or pouring lots of drinks or something. Oh, well, that's all, like, the mo- all the more reasons that to stand. Well, uh, yeah, they, uh, they seem to be on the beers fairly early there. Hence why we need to go. Because if you're going to get someone to say something they regret saying, it's going to be at the AWSI with a mic in their face after a few beers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's an objective. <laughs> that is an objective. Right, okay, so we, have, we haven't we have had that many sessions, but we have had a few. And so the UK at the minute, we've had like a little bit of a, a lack of wind for a little bit, but the last week, the swell's kicked in, and the swell hasn't been here all summer at all. So we've all kind of just gone frothing over going surfing. You have had your first go on a SUP foil. Board. Well, I've had a first significant go on the Armstrong Downwind board that we have on a bit of a long-term loan. It's the 7.7, it's 121 litres, and we had a five-minute play around each on the size smaller than that, whatever that was, um, and then, yeah, arranged to get this, this, this loan. I first took it out the other evening... Every now and then in Exmouth, if there's been a little bit of a breeze from the east or if there's been a bit of southerly swell, uh, there's a sandbar a few hundred metres off the beach and you sometimes get a little lump rolling over that high tide even though the water's completely flat in front of the beach. And we also have access to the four-wheel drive at the moment. So I took Freddie's Axis 1300 P&G. Is that what it is, Freddie? It is, yeah. With the Armstrong downwind board with the foil drive mounted i reckon about halfway up the mast and then i actually took a paddle and i mounted the trigger to the paddle don't know if i did that right or not because it was bloody hard to use whilst trying to hold the paddle uh and actually use it but i think i might have mounted it in completely the wrong position so not their fault my fault and that was very interesting um so that was a whole session in itself now freddie and i have used the foil drive before as an e-foil alternative, I think it is bloody impressive from the perspective of it just it actually feels like foiling. Um, your the the whole setup is so much lighter because you're only adding I don't know maybe let's call it five kilos, but you're only adding five kilos to your setup. It's like half the weight of a traditional e-foil, and so when you actually get up on foil, it does feel way more like your normal foiling experience. You do notice the thrust from the motor and it definitely provides like a pitching moment. So the more throttle that you put on, the more it's trying to lift the nose. And then if you do like decelerate, well, not not decelerate, but you do let the throttle off too quickly, the nose will drop because um, you're losing that thrust, which is kind of pitching you up. But anyway, as an E4, I think it's bloody brilliant. I was trying to ride along with the foil, ride out to a bit of swell, and then transition onto the wave. And I have to admit, I found it pretty bloody tricky. I expected it to be something that would be quite natural. um, And I actually found it quite hard. I could feel the energy from the wave sort of joining in with the mix, especially because that 1300, you know, it's so lifty and you don't need a lot. And the waves are only, you know, a a foot. 
Um, but you could definitely feel the energy coming in from the 1300, but I was definitely struggling to make the transition to fully turning the throttle off. Now, I know it's possible because that's what some friends of ours here that have got that four-wheel drive rave about it so much. They use it for, you know, using tiny little boards to do exactly the same thing in bigger waves. And maybe it's easier in bigger waves because the transition's a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was interesting. That was the bit that I was struggling with was the actual moment of transition. So uh, we're not we're not too sure on it. Well, no, it's not that you're not too sure on it. It's that I think it would take a bit of time, basically. Um, so that was a really interesting session. The it works fantastic setup with like that downwinding board, though. Um, we obviously used it with your what is it, sixty-eight, seventy-liter winging board, um, and that that had, it had easily enough power to get us up on mm-hmm. that. But then, yeah, with this downwinding board, the starts are just bloody effortless because that downwinding board is so efficient cutting through the water. You just, and it's, you know, you've got a little bit more stability. As soon as you get it moving forward, it's got so much stability, you just bloody stand on it and go. What's, um, what's, because we, we've only used the 1150 and the 1300 so far. What is the likes of Ian using on uh, his setup? I like think size-wise? sort of 1400s, 1500s mid aspect foils, I think. So they're still Ian fairly. Is our friend fair, that's got a foil drive. Yeah, so they're still fair size things. Does anyone like? Does, would you go smaller? Easily, have, I'm absolutely it, certain that it'll have power to get you going. Get you going. There's no shortage of grunt to get going at all. Like you can just not pump at all, not put any effort into the technique, and if you just hold the trigger and stand there and get your weight in the right place, you'll just get going just like you would on an e-foil. And the thing the thing that I think that is so impressive about that foil drive is how, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about using it briefly before, it's just so impressive how good it is at handling when the propeller starts breaching. Every e-foil that I've ever used, you breach the propeller, the actual drive motor propeller, a tiny bit. And it's almost like breaching a foil when you're doing any foil in discipline and you just drop and you fall. And I think part of that is because it's so heavy, you lose any of that sort of pitching moment up of the nose from the propeller. You just dive so fast because it's all so heavy. Whereas with this, you you hear it. You actually get this audible feedback where you can hear the propellers chopping at the water because half of it's out, but it's still providing forward thrust. Um, and so I think that would help with the transition. I just think that you'd need to go quite regularly um and i think yes it's it is is an interesting one it's a very interesting one i think i think it's the sort of thing where there's clearly an appeal for e-foils because so many people have them whether or not you and i would jump to use that regularly because we've got so much other stuff going on and so many sports to try that's the hard bit to tell and annoyingly i don't think we're going to line up the conditions regularly enough where there's little bumps and stuff like that to try and four drive into i don't think we're going to have it long enough to play with it long enough to get used oh, no, to it in the way that you possibly could we're definitely it's not. a very it's cool been, experience it, it's been quite funny to i obviously get um i'm usually the one lending kit out and I get quite frustrated that you know you, you lend something to someone for two or three weeks, sacrificing it for somebody else, and then you get a message. You know, I chase them up, say, and I get a message back saying, "Oh, I haven't had a chance to use it." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" You know, just I need you to use it so I can have it back. 
and yet this has been the exact opposite that I'm the one to blame for 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 this because I haven't taken the time to go and to go and use it or you know haven't set the time the time aside to go and use it it's been quite funny being but on the re- receiving end of it because again we wouldn't maybe prioritize doing that I at the minute would well I've been busy anyway but well, I, I really enjoyed going out on it um I think that I do I think the whole system's great I think the it's, I've had conversations with people about it where some people, it was it, it, even four drive customers have been going, oh yeah, it'd be you know it'd be it'd be great if you could sort of if the box wasn't in the way and you didn't have to put the box on the board or blah blah blah. And I'm like, well yeah, but you could integrate that little battery box and everything into the board, but then that's going to cost more money, and that means you're having to buy a board dedicated to put the four drive box in it. And then you've basically just gone and bought an e-foil, and like the whole advantage of that thing is that it's a few grand. It's in addition to your existing gear. You know, you can swap foil brands, and it doesn't matter because you're just gonna go and strap it onto whatever new thing that you buy. And like our friend does, you can put it on a paddleboard, you can put it on a prone board, you can put it on whatever, and use it in different use cases. Um, and we got some yeah. pretty sweet hats out of them as well. We've got some pretty sweet hats. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, would I... It comes... It, would I buy one? Well, now no, because I don't have disposable income to do so. Would I buy one if I had excessive amounts of disposable income? I probably would buy one of those. And whereas, I probably wouldn't buy any form of e-foil as it stands at the moment if I had lots of disposable income. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I'm not sold on it personally, and I do wonder even just the element of me. You know, there's no conditions. Do you want to drive half an hour to go and play on an e-foil in the hope that there's some waves? Not really. Not at the minute. Uh, again, I don't know. I think we're lucky, aren't we? We live in it. We live in a part of the world where, okay, we might not get, we might not get perfect conditions for the sports that we do all of the time however the nice thing about where we live is the variety and there's so many things to do that there are alternatives that are non-foiling related that sometimes we'll go and do if the conditions aren't good for the foiling disciplines that we like and that's maybe we thing, need to get it? maybe we need to get supported by devon county council or something like that for promotional uh, tourism hey, the games. tourism board yeah yeah that's not a bad idea uh but yeah you are right i don't think yeah at the minute, I wouldn't buy one, but I think I'm in a bit of a funky mood where I'm like, I can't be asked with anything. There's just there's too much going on at the minute, and it feels like that would be an extra that I don't need. That's yeah. probably, that's probably what's affecting my decision. I'm not in there. I'm not in the usual upbeat Freddy mentality that nobody's ever seen before. I think what you would have liked is you would have liked seeing it. This when I was using it, I was using it on my own the last few days, and it's way quicker. Um, once you figure out what you're doing with it like I'm putting it on this Armstrong downwinding board it didn't have the board didn't have the little velcro bits to stick the box onto and so I basically had to do a fresh installation of the kit as though it came new and you were buying it new and you were putting it all on but having done it once before even though I was doing everything from scratch it it, it was pretty rapid like I took everything down to the beach and I think from 
literally getting it out of the box to sticking everything you need to stick on the board and clamping it to the mast and putting the foil on your board like you normally would everything i reckon it was about 15 minutes and then when i was taking it apart to stick it in the van to go home it was only literally another two minutes to put it away compared to um compared to your other stuff what i would say is if you are interested in that a hundred percent whatever system you use account for buying unless you're running carbon everything fine but and even then i would consider buying an aluminium mast so that you're not having to bloody strap and unstrap your cable and your motor mount and everything um i'd have does that make sense i'd have one mast dedicated to foil drive and then one dedicated to my winging setup so that i wasn't having to do that installation and take it off the mast every time because that would get a little bit annoying i reckon and for the yeah, if you've already tape, spent three yeah and if you've already spent three grand you're not going to worry about spending another 120 quid to to make it so much more convenient tis true tis true okay so, so yeah. you've had to play you've had to play on that then and then you've used the same which was a very good prep for the day after I went and saw Richie B, our favourite kite repair kite, oh, oh, our sail repair favourite man at kitebarn.co.uk.com, not sure. <laughs> um, and we went out subfoiling and we looked like a right old pair because we turned up and both had our Armstrong downwind boards. So we were with our matching setups. He was on the 135 and he was using an Armstrong MA1750, I think, or 1850, or whatever size that it comes. Richie's a taller, heavier guy. Um, he even, you know, he, he's just been away to New Zealand, as, we, as we've talked about before, for many weeks, having a bit of a family trip and a bit of a one in a lifetime trip for for a long time and i offered him a little chocolate donut as some energy for the session and he refused so i reckon that that might be more like 95 kilos than 90 kilos at the moment and i was on the one that that 77 120 armstrong board with my phantom 1480 uh with the smaller tail and the shorter fuse from the skate so I think it's XXS and 200 carving rear wing. And your your first message to me afterwards was, I think we need to give up this prone malarkey and start <laughs> subfoiling. Pretty much. Um, okay, I think to give it up is maybe an exaggeration. However, I do think that I would see myself subfoiling at least 50% of the time, if not more than 50% of the time, on the trips that we made to go prone foiling. I had that one go at sup foiling before in Ireland on a very difficult board. That was last autumn. So this was my second ever go sup foiling. And as much as we joke about being level one paddleboarding instructors, I've done less than 10 hours of paddleboarding this year. And I was able to go in don't know how many waves I got, but a very decent amount of waves, probably as many waves as we've ever had in our maximum prone foil session wave count ever. And in my first session, managed to double up still. Like it definitely takes a bit more energy, but that whole chat about the downwinding boards having so much volume near the back and so the mast being so much more central where you can actually pump 
which is you know has got to be the case. We've seen the bloody guys finishing the Molokai to Oahu, pumping kilometers at a time. Um, it's quite impressive actually. So I just think that as we said, we always said that sup foiling is probably the supping is to surfing, i.e., easier, a bit more lame, but in the sense that you've stuck a foil on the board and we love foiling and it still feels bloody amazing being on that board that's not that big on foil on the waves it was great yeah surprising to hear and it was remarkable how small waves you could get that thing into um and i definitely think that it it actually has in fairness it's it's not I'm I'm still curious about what downwinding is going to be like from the perspective of covering distances and being able to read the swell and using an appropriate foil of an appropriate speed for all that nonsense. Like I think that's going to be a whole learning experience in itself. But in terms of actually getting onto a, onto foil out at sea, as long as you can not wobble around too much, which I think going out sub foiling will help with that balance and paddle technique and all the rest of it. I don't think getting up on foil is actually the bit you've got to be concerned about. Interesting. Because if you pick the really like short period swell, you do get those troughs, don't you? Like short period wind swell, you do get those troughs where it picks up a bit steep. And like if I was actually sitting where the wave was pitching up properly, you could go for stuff that wasn't even a, you know, it was an absolute piddler. And as long as it had a bit of a ramp to it, boss, you were up. Well, same thing when it caught, you talk about, we've talked about the design on the downwind board since they've come out. It's completely changed everything, hasn't it? Um, the fact that you can drop into absolutely anything and pick up the tiniest of bumps. So now you've got not only foils that catch the tiniest of bumps, but boards that will pick up enough speed to catch those things. Just seems to be making those sort of disciplines far more accessible down to board design. Yeah, yeah. So what did I learn out of the sup falling experience? Um you need a good paddle. Oh. oh, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely need a, new, a good paddle. Uh, you definitely need a good paddle. I think that as a relatively inexperienced paddler, I think that a big blade is actually of benefit. I think as someone that's a little bit rubbish, to have something that is, assuming you're pretty strong, I think having something that's quite big allows you to just put shed loads of force down and generate a bit of speed without amazing technique without having to have a really high cadence and the reason i say that i think that's better is because not having that super high cadence um means that you stay a little bit more balanced because everything's happening a bit slower when i really started getting more confident and started going for like smaller and smaller waves to sort of try and replicate that downwinding start and really having to put loads of energy through the paddle and pump the legs and everything as you pick up board speed you naturally have to increase your paddle cadence and as you do you start driving through the legs and like quite a lot of the time i was doing that i was getting up on foil but there was so much dynamic movement going on the moment that i actually got up on foil i was already slightly off balance and ended up spooning it so i think i think slightly big paddle blade is a good thing and the thing that was absolutely certain was getting into waves you have to make sure which is similar with subsurfing, but absolutely make sure that you are slightly offset towards the way that you face, i.e. I am goofy, so I'm right foot forward, so I want to be facing slightly left 
you know and as i really start powering to the wave that it's only starting to straighten me up to go with it um very last minute and actually and you're better off taking off slightly in the direction that you're facing anyway than you are going completely straight and that's our that's our paddleboarding in it or lack of paddleboarding skills we're not quite level two instructors yet so we we still can't paddle in a straight line as well as well, some no, of no 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 I, I can i could i can paddle in a straight line um definitely but that's what i found was that actually taking off straight tended you tended to cock up and you tended to end up spooning the board off whereas just being slightly angled in the direction that you naturally face in whatever stance you are so if you're goofy slightly left if you're regular slightly right it just everything seemed to work better and it seemed to be so much more reliable very good uh so those are my learnings bloody good for the pump fitness because it is it does take a bit more energy than a smaller board um i am looking forward to having a go so soon as as soon as my apple tree turns up which is taking forever uh you'll have your 1480 i can put whatever axis setup i've got at the time on and we can go and have a little sesh on it might be a bit colder by then judging by the heat wave we've got at the minute like i mentioned but it will be good to have a go the problem i just that the, the feel of the prone stuff i don't think you can top the feel of the prone side of things I think that you'll learn so much more, so much quicker being on foil for so much more time and I think that you'll be surprised at how good these downwind boards feel because of where the mast is positioned on the board. I was doing, I'm not going to, you know, try and make it out as though I'm shredding the gnar, but there was some some aggressive wiggling going on. I am. Um, I even okay, so was I, throwing the paddle down to, you know, get a bit of extra balance sometimes. Oof. Okay, so while uh, Liam was off playing foiling because he ditched us to go sup foiling, which I kind of accepted it was okay. It was a good enough reason to ditch us. Um, we all went surfing, and I've not surfed in ages. And although it was definitely really weird paddling out with no foil underneath the board i i was way twitchier even duck diving sitting on the board paddling in a straight light was just really weird not having a foil for once but my foiling has definitely improved my surfing and again from what you said about um not blowing our own trumpets i am not a good surfer but there were some definite elements of a very slight top turn whilst riding backside down a wave, which is unheard of in my surfing career so far. So after a little while, I, uh, yeah, I've gotten better. God knows how. File progress, I guess. Or just riding in general, maybe. I don't know. But that puts us in good stead for our little surf trip to Portugal, which we're uh, doing in November. We're still tempted to take out some foiling kit. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up not taking a surfboard and just taking winging and kiting gear. <laughs> I was looking at my surfboard today thinking, how am I actually going to pack this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you definitely need a smaller one than that. You know, you ain't taking well also you ain't taking a 7-foot surfboard to West Coast Portugal. I was also like um looking at the Armstrong board going, I think this this is does this need to come? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be keen on a, I'd, I'm not sure I'd be keen on a wing and a kite, but I'd be keen on prone foil. 
Mate, if it's windy, I should be for sure taking a wing. Anyway, back to the um, foiling, because <laughs> that's what we're here to talk about. Did I also tell you that I went out on the Armstrong board winging? No, you didn't. I went out on a, a Fly Surfer 4.5 Tau. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called, yeah. Very funny shape. Um, very, very V, very V. It's like it's a bit like the um, early shin wings. Uh, anyway, I was on a 4.5. The wind was gusty, westerly, high-ish tide, and um, it is at the whole hype. You know, I know we're, we're. I don't know why people listen to this podcast because we're basically just like two years behind figuring out what the whole industry is figuring out. So I'm here to now tell you, everybody, that in fact, downwinding boards, can you believe it, do wing in extremely light conditions. <laughs> We're bringing you the relevant up-to-date information. Anyway, I got to experience that for myself, and it was quite bizarre. Westerly wind is sort of cross offshore um, on the seafront at our home spot, and there were moments when it was dropping to like 8 to 10 knots, and... Um, I was like just about able to keep it going, just pumping the wing, pumping the foil on the, on the downwind board, and um, because it's sort of cross off, the the water's quite glassy and the water's fairly clear at the moment. I was riding around, and I'm pretty sure I was riding up to schools of bass because I kept seeing the water surface all just going all mental and fish swimming off in the distance. And I was like, never have I been winging before and had such glassy conditions that I've been able to notice me scaring fish. Who was it? Wasn't it Rue hit a fish? Did Rue hit a fish? I think Rue chopped a fish in half or like hit a bass or something. I'll have to find out about it. I'm pretty sure I remember him telling me about that. Um, but Mr. Guybridge was out at the same time and he was on his nine metre sole and he has been lent. I don't know whether you know about this yet. You'll be having angry words with Dom Yule because Dom has lent him a full setup, including carbon mast and skate 650. And a board as well. And a board. Now you did, you did tell me and I'm intrigued because I, I'd forgotten about this, but it was something I wanted to pick up on because of the skate thoughts that you and he have both had. Yeah, so I don't know whether we've talked about this on the pod yet or not, but I have been chatting with Freddie and Rich about how I definitely think that the skate has its place. I 100% think that it's it would be an incredible prone foil, but it's I don't think it's as much of the all-round foil that I had hoped it would be and thought it was at the beginning having taken it out in some slightly more critical conditions. And I don't think that is the fault of the foil. I think it's that I am not good enough to be comfortable on it in all of the conditions that I want to be comfortable on it in. But what was very interesting was that Guy said a very similar thing. What was his... Yeah, but, but what? He said it felt very spanny, even though it was a 650. And that... It was a little bit, he actually used the word skatey, which made me laugh, but sort of a bit skatey in pitch. Interesting. And I think that he's not, do you remember ages ago, we were talking about how I was saying, I think that long fuses and small rear wings isn't a bad idea if you like to go fast in big waves and stuff. Um, and that's very, that's quite similar to how he normally rides. And he, he said a similar thing. Yeah, interesting. 
It's it's funny how those wings are kind of um, splitting opinion, and it's the same same as the, the Spitfires that we've got now as well. It's it's not a be all and end all wing. Um, we, we can't comment on the MAs. It'd be nice to comment on the on the MAs, but uh, we can't comment on them because we haven't ridden them. Well, everyone's getting better, aren't they? The whole industry is getting better, and therefore you get more specific, and therefore. Whereas we all thought all you need is a five and we all thought that one wing does everything. As we're getting better, stuff's starting to develop. It's becoming a bit more discipline focused and the limits are getting pushed a bit more. And it's natural that some things will be good more than others. What is interesting is that Rich still rides the skate that was, I think, pre-production or something. And his skate has the little, uh, they call them fences, don't they? His skate has the fences on the front wing that a lot of the F1 rear wing wings feature. Um, and I wonder whether whether that, why that got canned and what difference that makes and interesting So thoughts. what's what's your thought process? Because as far as I'm aware, he's still using the, the 950 there for most things, for wing it for winging. For most conditions, what 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 are you gonna do? What do you like? Do you own one? Have you got a skate? Yeah, you have got a skate. That's mine. Yeah, um, but you want to go smaller. That was a question, wasn't it? You want to go smaller for the winter time. Yeah, but now I, you're not too now you're not too sure which way. Now to go. I'm wondering whether to have a go. I, I I in all honesty, if I could right now, if I could do it without the sort of financial consequence of thinking that it would be a poor financial decision to buy it because I don't think I'd sell it for very good money because it's now old, I actually would like to have a go on one of the Phantom S's. I think it's like either 840 or 940 or something like that. Um, I'd like to have a go on one of those. I think the aspect ratio of those is like six and a half. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, uh, that's what I'd like to try. A bit more suited to what you want. But it's been out for a long time, and even if I could get a bit of a deal on it, I think if I didn't like it or I did want to change or whatever, you'd struggle. You struggle to get rid of smaller foils here in the UK anyway, let alone something that has already been out for quite a long time. So if anyone is selling a used and cheap, or struggling to sell a cheap Phantom S 840, Hit Liam up. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will accept free or a hundred pounds at a push. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else foil related, Liam? Um, oh, well, I, the last wing session I had in Exmouth, skipper, uh, skipper wing, first session on the skipper wing, fifty-five liter drop down. You'd all been out and you came in and bailed. And I took a Skipper Wing 55 out, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, that was a good session. That was when we put the clip on of me doing a turn. Mm. Yeah, you had a great session. I don't think I had the same session as you, but I still had a very good session. Somebody made a comment walking the walk or something, and I was like, I actually feel a bit giddy about that. <laughs> the social media have uh, have spoken. Yeah, short boards, small boards, powered boards. Drop in from a 70 litre down to a 55. I can kneel start it, which I was really surprised about. Or not surprised, but really happy with. And we were in very very swelly conditions, but it was powered. It was plenty powered. And it did make me realise that I'm not rushing to drop litres, but God, it felt good. Good God, it felt nice. 
It just keeps... It's, every time I jump, it feels really smart. Every time you jump? Well, every time I jump, sorry, down a size. No, not jump. Oh, you know I don't jump. Christ. You know I'll never jump. Although I am tempted to put foot straps on. That was a, that was what I was going to do with that, wasn't it? I want to put foot straps on it to see what you're all cracking on about. And then again, you know, if I'm putting foot straps on it, maybe I'll have to do a little jump. <sighs> hey, here's a good one. Duotone and Fanatic. Now, not Duotone and Fanatic, but Duotone. Yeah, what's that about? Well, they've got 30,000 paddleboards with a Fanatic brand on it that they want to dump and not make it look too bad. So they're sacking it off and just getting rid of the brand instead. <laughs> that is, um, is, that, is that propaganda? Is that a hearsay? Or is, have you got a reputable source? Um, I'd say it's pretty much common knowledge now, isn't it? What I will say is um, some of their colourways this year are horrific. Yeah, they look a bit fucking shit, don't they? Yeah. But they've rebranded a bit. What do we think? Because the Fnatic, that was a, the problem. Fnatic's been around for donkey's years. Duotone, technically it's been around since, what, the 90s? But it, it wasn't, and it hasn't, and it's only really come back since Baltimore split from North. It's quite a new brand, and it's taken over from Fnatic. It's quite a big deal, really. I'm very surprised, because when I was working in the shop the last couple of years, Fnatic was often an easy sell as a wing and and it was it was a board that i was happy to sell because it was a simple design the 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 sky wing was a good one and a lot of people learned on that um but a lot of people were confident buying into that product because it was fanatic and they were familiar with fanatic and the history of fanatic so i'm actually windsurfing heritage yeah i'm really quite surprised that they're choosing to drop it i think that they were right to unify their winging offering to one brand um because i think that was a bit of a mess in the first place but where i think they went wrong perhaps is maybe fanatic should have continued to make the boards and do it i don't know i i think yeah and and it was the foils it there was a weird separation there i can see that like people do get it's definitely a strange one uh, my my thought process being why wouldn't you just keep windsurfing as fanatic and foiling as duotone but then again there's a weird separation where people need to be reminded constantly they are the same company it is the same kind of stuff they're not you know otherwise they just see it as separate kits so i think having it all under one name is is far more streamlined than just because the whole like duotone slash fanatic graphics it, it doesn't make any sense you can't have two brand names on a product. So the fact that they brought it under one is is a good thing. They had to choose which one. They got a lot of paddleboards with a Fnatic name on it. So they went for the other one. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thought. That's that's it's it's probably just a tough position that they've put themselves in anyway. Or that they've been put into. Um but nobody wants to have two brands. I'd like to have a go on some of the foils. Because I thought that the early foils looked fairly basic, but actually there's been some quite interesting foils in this release. Um, and I've heard good things from a small number of people that have used them. 
but it's not a brand of foils that gets any hype or I feel from my perception of the industry and from social media and all the rest of it, I can't really think of any like really cool standout riders that have got street cred within foiling, shall we say, that ride duotone or fanatic foils. Why is that then? Well, that that's that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Because they, they buy their way into it in kiting, don't they? Like it's you know, they've got they've got the likes of Noe and Aaron Hadlow and whatever mate he was that the Canadian guy that did all the wake style stuff and they've got a lot of cool and Rita. Yeah. They got loads of cool riders and they just buy these cool riders and it kind of works because you go to competitions or you see all the videos and it's like shit Well, all the best riders are on duotone and sure enough, it is good gear. Um, yeah. But then, but then you watch um, the Cape Verde, the GWA stuff and all you see is that's what I get really confused about. All you see is starboard and, and, um, Fanatic, whereas we both consider those two brands as not quite on tippity top of the pinnacle of foiling. Well, I, I don't rate that. I don't rate. Um, I'm not. I have no opinion on the quality of the product because I haven't used much of it. I mean, I've used the recent unit that was really good, and I've used older Fanatic boards, and they're fine. Um, I'm I'm talking more about the sort of street cred of it rather than the actual quality of any of the product. Starboard, I do, yeah. Starboard, you don't. We just don't. We see a lot of fanatic boards, don't we? There's been loads of fanatic boards. That Skywing sold in fantastic numbers. But you're right. You don't see many fanatic foil setups here. You do see plenty of duotone wings. Yeah. So the duotone wings obviously been one that's been very, very popular. The board has been very, very popular. But you would have thought with the 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 whole ethos behind the brand that that and the. I don't know what the bloody hell I was going to say then, but you would have thought there'd be more foils about there, especially if you're saying that some of the, like the stuff is pretty good. Yeah, but like why why did it. they not buy? You know, why did they not pay Kiahi or something? Why did why did they not snap up Kiahi and Luna or they just I don't know. They would have literally completed kiting if they'd have put Kiahi and Muna on there. I think there's a lot of. Um, to be fair, I think there's a lot of European riders that we're just not familiar that are doing really well in competition. And bearing in mind, we don't follow competition whatsoever. I think there are That's a true. lot of good competition riders that they are getting behind. Um, I don't know. Just imagine. It's a, it's a different It's a different style, uh, side of winging, though, isn't it? It's very, very different. Because when you look at the prone and the downwind, the what we think of as cool, the wave side of things, that's all dominated by... Other brands, Armstrong, Axis, F1, the three that we fucking always bang on about and I'm sorry for. Um, and then you look at the competition side and it's very much more dominated by, which I guess is it's kind of the style of those brands anyway because they, they want to use the competition to push their sales as opposed to the lifestyle stuff as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I normally consider myself quite resistant to marketing and not that bothered, but like, I have got my favourite riders, and you know um, the guy Kahi, his handle Instakahi. Uh, if that I guy do, yeah. all of a sudden started riding duotone foils and boards, I would be ten times more interested in having a go on them than I am at this immediate moment in time. Because I'm like, there's someone that I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's insane. The, the the everything that he puts out, I'm like, this is mind blowing. And yeah, I'd be like, I just want to know what the gear's like that he's using. But then again, that says a lot about 
when you see the guys riding these smaller brands, and even I class F1 as that when you when you talk about it from a global standpoint, they've chosen to ride those brands to a certain degree because they're probably not the best paying brands in the world. Whereas the likes of Duotone, you know, within kiting, if you ride for Duotone, okay, yes, they make good, they do make good product. I agree. You'll not get me saying that too often. But they do pay the most on the, the you know they they are the biggest team and they will pay for riders. Yeah. Whereas you know from me and you we can look at somebody else and go shit. Well, you know Mr. Bennett's who fingers crossed we get to chat to at some point and pester him about kit as well. We know that as soon as Mr. Bennett's rides something new in a video, I'm like, ooh, why? Why is he riding that? Why is he putting footage out? He's and he's only riding it because he likes it and he will swap and change between it until he finds exactly what he likes that's why everyone likes watching what Kai Lenny does to see where he goes and what he rides because they have no affiliation with it they're not trying to follow the money like they're not trying to get one big brand to, to fork out for everything speaking of which I literally was thinking to myself about 20 minutes ago people are going to complain that this episode is literally just here there and everywhere so I hope people are concentrating listening to this one because we're changing topics all the time Kai Lenny on that bloody new Bloody ozone wing, eh? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a surprise. It? It's, out a, of the blue. It's, a, it's a twin skin vision. or something. The, the, the vision. Can you tell us details as Mister Ozone? <laughs> I'd never seen it before. That video came out <laughs> at all. I thought that might be the case. Uh, well, I guess ozone are in a position. Well, no, because they they produce custom bits and pieces. But they're saying that that's that's something different. That's just a completely different prototype, isn't it? And I know, having spoken to the guys at Ozone previously, that. They're all, they're obviously trying different materials and different disciplines and different. You know, I remember there's a um, Jamie Overbeek was testing a, a new kite a while ago and and put some videos on Instagram, and they were inundated with questions of what what is this is this the new edge is this is this what's what's going on what is this, and Ian actually eventually told Jamie to, uh, Ian's the GM of Ozone said to her, Jamie stop putting it on Instagram because. It's not going to lead to anything. We're literally just testing like every single brand is. And I guarantee you go anywhere. You know, if you go to Maui, for instance, half the kit on the beach is likely to be prototype kit. You go to Hood River this week, you know, there'll be stuff that's completely different. All these brands are trying completely different bits and pieces all the time. Yeah, but that ozone wing was like a twin skin, like a foil kite, wasn't it? Or something? Uh, yes. There was something quite special yes. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a twin skin. It's, it's basically... I, I believe, I, by the looks of things, it's trying to create a better aerofoil underneath the wing, isn't it? Underneath the uh, leading edge as opposed to just onto the top. So it's trying to make it a smoother aerofoil profile. What I was frustrated about after watching that video is uh, I think one of the next suggested videos was um, Patrice Genolet, Mr. Gong, riding a very similar looking Gong wing. Um, with a twin skin profile that uh, I think it just wraps around the leading edge and comes like halfway down the wing or something like that. Kyle Lenny will be on that next week then, I assume. I reckon so, I reckon so. Core, that would shake the fucking industry, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? Gone Galaxy <laughs> welcomes their new rider. Ridge Oof. Lenny, that would that would be funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know anything about it. I really don't know anything about it. I don't really even agree that big air winging is... Well, I think I definitely don't agree that big air winging is not the way forward for wing. If you want to go high, buy a kite. Yeah, but did you see that kid do the 15-metre jump? No. That was bloody massive. 
What was that on? Uh, I think it might have been an American F1 rider. Not sure, that was a thing but it, that, was record- that cut- it was recorded on the Surfer app, and it was it was massive. Well, that's so that Kyle Lenny jump when they're talking about it being ten meters. Who was it? Uh, uh, someone jumped ten meters on a strike a year ago. I didn't think it was actually that impressive to be jumping that high. Yeah, I mean, what they they just broke the Kitem Wu record, didn't they? And it was like thirty-seven meters or thirty-eight meters or something. Yeah, well, agreed. And that was that was what Guy said the other day when we were chatting to him, isn't it? Why as into why Guy Bridge doesn't jump and his his whole ethos being, I've spent years jumping on a kite. Why would I want to sa- land like a sack of shit off a wing when I can uh, go kiting and land like a a buttercup? Whereas the, that was the only thing with the Kai video is that he was landing he was landing smoother. He wasn't he wasn't landing at speed, but he was landing smoother than he would have been with a, a standard wing. He wasn't falling out of the sky. Probably like in thirty five knots on a five. Well, yeah, there is yeah there is that as well. Uh, no, I don't know anything about it. I know Ozone obviously prototype, same as every other brand on the on the market. Um, God knows ju- they'll just be trying different concepts, and I get, yeah, they'll all be doing it. They'll all be doing it. It's whether it's 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 following whoever's marketing strategy as to whether they actually release stuff like that. Because I don't think we'll ever see that on the market. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Who gives a shit? I'm never going to. I buy hope one. it gets released in two weeks' time. I just see you're wrong. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh God, that'd be horrible. I wouldn't want to have to sell that. Will it sell? Because the problem is that's probably two grand. Only Duotone can sell two grand wings. And that's because they plough millions into marketing to make it sound like it's better than everything else when it's not. Oh, I'm sorry, Duotone. I, um, somebody made a comment when I was out winging on that Armstrong downwinding board or something. And, um, and I was, you know, I was, I'm not saying I wasn't being careful in the first place, but a friend of mine shouted over when I was winging and I rode past them, and they saw the board, and they were just like, ooh, that looks expensive. And it hadn't actually occurred to me that this thing that we've been lent is like well over two grand retail or whatever. And I was like, oh, I better, better look after it. Better yeah, treat it nicely. I don't want to give that back to Tristan. And then, no, I think and, and then, the and then I obviously went subfoiling on it, and I'm like, oh, I better get the magic eraser out and just, just rub down a few of those little paddle marks on the rail there. Just get rid of a few of those. I had a fun fun one today, which is surprisingly apt. I went to get my hair cut in Exeter at a barber's, just a random barber's. Oh, we're done with foiling now, then? We're, no, 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 we're not. We're not oh. done with foiling. That's, this is what makes it apt. And uh, I've never been to this guy before. I've been to the same barber's, but not, not to this guy. And he's obviously a talker. He didn't really understand that. I just wanted to sit there and for him to shut the fuck up and chop my hair and get out of there. And uh, he said, oh, what do you do to keep yourself busy? And I was like, well, you know, Went surfing last night. I was like, oh, that's very nice. Do you do any other water sports? I went like, yeah, I would kite surf for a little while as well. So, oh, well, what do you think of all these foils that they're sticking on boards nowadays? Don't you think that's a little bit uh, risque? And I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And I just had that tough, tough choice of how... Do I tell him I do a podcast on foiling? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. And, uh, Did you lean yeah, really hard the other way? Yeah, bloody idiots, aren't they? <laughs> Fucking lunatics. <laughs> I I kind of wish I had a little bit to have seen his um, to to have seen his response to it because you can guarantee he was he's 
he's not really a surfer. He not really much of anything. I think he was a skater actually. And uh, yeah, it would have just been interesting to see what he's obviously been told by his friends because there's no way he would have actually seen much of it. But it, it it comes up in everyday scenarios now, wouldn't you see? He didn't know who we were though, unfortunately. No, he didn't recognise your voice. Didn't recognise the voice or the well, obviously not the face either. No, but I just found that quite interesting. Well, have you recovered from your massive, massive Instagram put down yet? Uh, have I recovered? I hadn't thought about it as the problem until you've just brought it up right now. I mean, do you know who our guests are, Freddie? You're not allowed. <laughs> I know we're having a conversation with them, but you're not allowed to actually talk. All right. God forbid we actually talk you over Keith you, you can't do that. You have to just wind them up, let them go, and that's it. We shut up. All right. And you you let them you let them run their script, what they want to do, and then we thank our sponsors and disappear. And job done. Exactly. Yeah. What a twat. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm like I do I do appreciate what what the 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 feedback was. If anyone's not following. Um, we got a telling off on Instagram for interrupting Keith DeBall, um in that interview that we did with him. If you haven't listened to that, go and listen to it. This is a great link, isn't it? Um, and just for the reason I bring it up is when you are recording something online and the other person is on the other side of the world and there is a little bit of a delay and all the rest of it, it can be quite difficult not for things like that to happen. And then there are also times when um, bits might get cocked up and so we try and edit it so that you don't have to listen to the bits that get cocked up and we'll just cut those bits out and everything. So, um, but also my main gripe with it, it was his, it was the wording was, in the comment that he made. It was a bit aggressive, made. wasn't it? It was a little bit aggressive. Like I, I can, okay. What I learnt from it is I am not good at taking criticism, <laughs> which is, which is why I put out that pity ego boost thing, where I basically just sent the photo on Instagram to to everybody, waiting for someone to go. Don't worry, Freddie. You're perfect, actually. You're 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 doing a really good job because I needed that because I was absolutely fuming at this prick. Uh, just because of his wording, what did he say? He said, "Don't interrupt someone of that caliber, or uh, don't interrupt a designer of that caliber." The reason people seem to like this is because it's more of a conversation. It's not a here's a question, what's your answer? Here's another question, what's your answer? It's a conversation. And what you will notice when people think about how they have conversations is people talk all the bloody time. So there you go. That's the, that's the excuse. But please don't criticise me because I can't take it. I <laughs> can't take it. <laughs> there you go. 56 minutes of a podcast. Jobs a good one. Yeah, that's quite good. We didn't even have to talk about your sailing adventure. <laughs> um, keep an ear out. Uh, for future episodes we do and we are lining up with as many people as we can we do really have some good names coming up we've had a load of big ones recently and we're coming off the back of that and we're trying to line up people in advance but it's obviously everyone's busy and I'm busy Liam's busy and everyone's at AWSI at the minute and uh, yeah it's very busy but there's plenty of guests coming Uh, it's getting to winter time so hopefully life's going to calm down a little bit as it gets colder in the UK here which will give us a little bit more time we're still trying to suss out the YouTube malarkey I think that's just more about me pulling my finger out and uh, 
starting to upload some of the previous conversations that we have that we do have video footage for. You're probably sick of hearing about all our future plans, but there you go. Do you want another top tip that I've just thought of given that this episode has been wildly all over the place anyway? Go on. Top tip for the people that get really near the end. I mean, it's not a top tip at all. It's another thing that everybody probably already knows and that I'm just joining in and discussing. I had two sessions yesterday on the SUP foil and I adjusted the position of the mast by not very much that you know those armstrong downwind boards have got enormous tracks really long tracks so that you can adjust to your heart's content with all sorts of different foils so they've got like units of measurement broken down to loads and loads of numbers i think there's like i don't know 15 points on it and that doesn't even cover the whole length of which you can use um i can't remember exactly where i put it for the first session but call it number 11 and on the second session, I moved it by no more than a few centimetres and moved it back a bit because I felt like the starts were a bit aggressive when I was subfoiling and getting into the wave. Like at the moment of release, I was releasing and then getting a big surge and having to like dip my weight forward a bit. So I was like, right, I'll move it back a little bit. I only moved it by a few centimetres and that was way too much. And the takeoffs became five times more difficult. So. Really? what i think i learned is that with those downwind boards with them being quite long um and just you know the takeoff all being quite critical that that foil mast position in the box makes an enormous difference and rich said a similar thing because he'd actually gone the other way um, and he'd only moved it by one point in the evening and he was saying a very similar thing that he's finding that these downwinding boards that the mast position in the track is very sensitive so my point was going to be had i gone out for the second session as my first one with that setup with the foil in that position i would have had a way harder time and probably wouldn't have been as positive i got really lucky the first time around and so it's a reminder to just commit to when you you know when you buy your setup and when you get on it do commit to adjusting a little bit in the first few sessions and go out in suitable conditions to actually do that because yeah it does make such a difference cool good advice see people can learn thought we'd end on a little high there yeah all right we will good. see you on the next episode everybody yeah bye everyone <laughs>